Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. You guys ready for a great day? We're launching into a new series of talks this morning that, that we're calling, Can You Believe We Get to Do This? Can you believe we get to do this? And I want to start a little bit different because I, I want to do the best I can to define the season that we're in. And in a room this size, not all of us are in the same season personally, but we can all be in different seasons personally and yet have a common theme of the season that we're in corporately. And I think it's important that you understand where we sense that we are corporately because how many of you know that your season really matters? You know, how many have realized we're in the summer season? Have you felt summer, right? Like we're, we're about two weeks deep into crust, you know, like, the 90s and the hundreds are, 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 are starting to creep in, right? It is hot, right? Summer in Texas has arrived. Like, you can feel it, right? How many of you have complained because of it already? Don't lie. You're in church. God is watching you, right? Hey, if you have not complained, then you never go outside because it is hot. Outside. And when you are in a hot environment, it is easy to complain about your environment. Now, how many of you longed for this heat in the middle of some of the ice storms we had just a couple of months ago? How many of you complained about the cold and said, God, just let it be summer? I mean, we seem to long for the season that's coming. And sometimes we miss why we're in the season that we're in. You know, I, I've been, uh, I, as some of you know, I've started planting things, and I'm becoming uh, a gardener. And uh, I love it. Like, I, <laughs> I laugh at myself, actually. Like, I research plants. I read about plants. I, I spend my free time weeding I uh, love planting things. And, and you, when you start to love to do something, you find other people that love it. Have you noticed this? Like this kind of like all of a sudden you're kind of have this common ground with people that you didn't have before. And we have some dear friends and, and, and they have a peach tree in their backyard. And, and the peach tree never really bore much fruit. And, and to the point where they got like a tree specialist. Like, I think it's called an arborist. Am I getting that right? Like, they got this tree specialist to come and look at the trees. They're like, maybe something is wrong with this tree. But interestingly enough, this year, it has produced fruit. Like, they don't even know what to do with it. They have peaches coming out of their ears. They're like boxes of peaches, bowls of peaches, bags of peaches. We're making cobblers and jams for the neighborhood. Right, and it's been interesting until the arborist came and explained what was happening. Because they were like, this is weird. Like, this tree never really bore fruit. Is there something wrong with the tree? And then, boom, it starts bearing fruit like crazy, unprecedented yield, and it's fruit 
season, this season, and they're like, why did this happen? And they said it's actually very simple. Peach trees need a hard freeze before they can bear fruit. I haven't even read the Bible yet, and I'm about to preach. If you are in a deep freeze right now, maybe you're not just to endure it. Maybe God is preparing more fruit to come out of you than it's ever happened before in your life. Maybe there is a fruit-bearing season on the back end of your deep winter. I think sometimes we think we have to endure the season that we're in, but the truth is is that seasons have purpose. If it wasn't for the freeze of the winter, we would not enjoy the fruit of the spring. If it wasn't for the rain of the spring, the ground would not have what it needs to thrive in the summer. If we didn't have summer, then we wouldn't know what to complain about. But but the truth is, is that seasons are not just to be simply endured and and maybe sometimes enjoyed. They, They have a purpose. Seasons prepare the way for what's coming after them. The freeze of the winter has a purpose. The rain of the spring has a purpose. And you know, as a church, we've been in an amazing season and so much momentum, but it's also been a bit of a winter. I, I don't know if you know what's been going on in, in my family's life, but my wife had a stroke about three months ago, a bit of a deep freeze moment for our family. And I could go across this entire room, and there has been some horrific challenges that have emerged in this season. Horrible Relational challenges, marriages falling apart, family dynamics exploding, feeling like there's no hope, people losing jobs, people losing homes. Yeah, it's been a fruitful season. There's been some beautiful moments, but it's still been winter. But I want to encourage us that it's been winter because there's an unprecedented fruit season coming next. The season we've been in has not simply been been just so that we can endure it as a community. It has been to prepare us for what God has called us to do as a community. The season has purpose. The, The season has purpose, and we feel that God is using this winter that we've been in corporately to prepare us for a fruit season that's going to be beyond what we can ask, hope, or imagine. You could say God is preparing the way. God is preparing the way. If you have your Bible, I want you to jump with me to Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, we're going to read verse 1 through verse 5. It's going to be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We'd love to give you one after church. Just let us know. It says this, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. 
speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. That her sin has been paid for and she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. And the rough ground shall, be be, shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I want to take the next few minutes and talk to you about the privilege of preparation. The privilege of preparation. If you're a note taker, it means you're closer to Jesus and, and you, you are highly favored and loved by the living God. And so if you're not a note taker, join the favor. Begin today. Write on the top of your page or type in your little device the privilege of preparation. The privilege of preparation. Have you ever felt underprepared? Anybody? Okay, I have felt underprepared, mostly in the impromptu prayer meetings that would happen during tests in college. Did any of you have those impromptu intercession moments? You're taking a test, and you're like, oh, Jesus, Lord, for real, Lord, like if you would just tell me if it's C or E, I will study next time. I will spend time. I'll share the gospel after class, God. I will see someone come to know you, I just need to know C or E, right? Felt under prepared impromptu intercessions, you know, like it's, there's, there, there are a few things that are more humbling than feeling underprepared. Now, some of you have heard the story of when my beautiful wife gave birth to our first daughter, Sophie. And I told that story to you to throw myself under the bus because I tried to take a shortcut and ended up going down to Cobble Street. We got lost. We barely made it to the hospital. I failed, okay? I, I'm sorry. But what I left out that day was that when we got to the hospital, the pain hit. Woo! And we were so late. There was no time for any sort of pain medicine to be administered. And so it was on. I did not recognize this woman. I did not know who she was. And I feared this woman. But let me tell you, just like most new parents, you take that like what to expect when expecting class. You know what I'm talking about? Like some, it's offered sometimes by the hospital or there's like third party things you can do. So we did this, right? We, we signed up. We were living in Seattle, Washington at the time. We signed up for these one of these what to expect when you're expecting classes. A and we walk in day one, I realize we are in for a treat because this class, y'all think I'm making this up for jokes. This class was taught by, she was probably in her 50s, like full on, still hippie, okay, in every way imaginable with one leg. And she regularly, regularly would get on the floor 
and demonstrate different birthing positions with one leg. Okay? I was like, babe, this is not helpful. Like, I could never unsee what I just saw, ever. Like, that is seared. But one of the things that they teach you, like, in these what to expect when expecting classes is Lamaze breathing. Have you heard of this? Right, that, like, how to breathe when the pain hits, right? Like, it kind of can take that chaotic moment and bring a little order to it and helps kind of channel everything, right? So they give you some, like, exercises to do, and they would even, like, have us do it in class, And every time that we would do it, Liz would not take it serious. She would laugh and be like, this is so stupid. Like, I feel so weird. Don't you feel weird? I'm like, look, I'm good. I'm going to do nothing. Like, I'm going to stand there and, like, give you a towel. That's, like, my role in this deal. I'm breathing the same, regardless of what happens. I'm good. But I keep telling her, like, look, you're going to need this. Like, I think we should practice it. We should have a, at least a little bit of a game plan, some sort of strategy. And every time we would try to practice the same thing, she couldn't take it seriously. She started laughing. Like, no focus at all. She's like, no, 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 it's cool. Like, it's going to be fine. It's fine. I can't do this. This is going to help me. I can tell. This is not going to help me. Now we're in the hospital room. The pain is like, hello. All right. And the nurse looks at me. And says, excuse me, son, I think you are the coach. You need to start maybe helping her with some of the breathing that you guys have practiced. (laughs) All right, so I look back at this sweet lady, and I'm like, ma'am, you need to talk to her. (laughs) I try, okay? So now she made the bed. Now she's going to have to deal with it, all right? I've wanted to practice, ma'am. Don't judge me. Judge her. (laughs) Isn't it funny how preparation can feel silly until you need it? When you're preparing for something that's coming, it can feel ridiculous, almost foolish, until you need it. My dad likes to say, you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. That's a Greg Griffin-ism. But how real is that about preparation? Is that sometimes preparation doesn't just feel unneeded. It it, it really feels almost exaggerated. Like like you do things to prepare for the season that you're not in yet. And and you, you have trouble. If you've never been there, if it's a new place, if it's a new destination, if it's something that you're trying to do for the first time, that preparation doesn't have any context to it. So, so it can just feel useless, like breathing when you're not in pain. Doing these exercises that it can become super fruitful when you're in pain feel ridiculous when you're not in pain. Preparation can feel silly when you're preparing for a season that you haven't entered into yet. You know, Isaiah 40 is about as silly in the season that Israel was in when this was written, when this was prophesied. It was about as silly as Liz practicing her breathing. Israel was in a great place when this happened. So 
I must not be thirsty. <laughs> Israel was in a great place. This, 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 so when you read things like speak tenderly to Jerusalem, de- declare to her that her hard service has been completed. There's a man of God right there. That her sin has, yeah, show him some love. Thank you, bro. That her hard service has been completed. She's received double for her sins. I mean, when Isaiah prophesied this, it meant nothing because it was a prophetic statement for a season of captivity that was going to be coming 150 years later. This was a warning shot from God through his mouthpiece at the time, Isaiah, saying, Israel, the pattern continues. You have forsaken me. You have run after your own ways. You have worshipped other gods. Therefore, you will be subjected to the reality of your decisions, and you will be in captivity, and it's going to be hard. I want you to listen to the disconnect that we see from the king of Israel in Isaiah 39, right before Isaiah 40 comes. Isaiah 39 is this like horrible play-by-play of all the rough stuff that's going to happen. And the king hears it. We're going to jump in in verse 5, 39.5. It says this, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, that was the king at the time, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. Now listen to how bad this is. Wrap your mind around how bad this is. The time will surely come. When everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The word of the Lord has spoke. The word the Lord has spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. What? Did everyone just hear what we just read? King Hezekiah says this, the word of the Lord you have spoken is what? Good. For he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Preparation for what's coming feels silly before you need it. Isaiah 40 was a prophetic statement to prepare. Hard times are coming. Babylonians are going to come and take everything. They're going to they're going to make you slaves in their palace. But I want you to keep this in front of you. You're going into a winter. But I want you to keep this in front of you. Comfort. Comfort my people. The voice of one declaring in the wilderness, God is coming. Have you thought about the privilege of being the voice? Have you thought about how amazing it is when you're in a desert season to be the one who is preparing the way? The privilege of preparation. Sometimes we read a passage like this in Isaiah 40, and we're like, wow, that's so cool. 
that the desert's like going to be raised up and valleys are going to come up and mountains are going to come down. God, you're so amazing. You're so big. But it says that there's a voice of one calling. There, there's someone declaring in the desert, this is what's coming. What a privilege. Like, what a privilege to be. the. Maybe you're in a desert. Maybe you're in a winter right now to be the voice. Maybe that you are in the situation you're in right now to stand up and say, God is coming. It's not just about you making it through your season. It's about being the voice calling in the season. God is coming. And so maybe in your family, you feel hopeless. You're like, it is a desert. We're in captivity. There's no hope. It's been 150 years of the same thing over and over and over. But you're like, no, no, no. I'm not just going to endure it. I'm going to be the voice declaring in it, God is coming. But think about how that changes the season that you're in. Think about how that turns everything upside down. There are no more bad seasons if we have the privilege of preparation. Because if every season has a purpose, if every season is preparing us for the next season, if fruit is coming because of the difficulty I'm struggling through right now, then when I stand up in my desert and prophesy, God is coming, Isaiah 40 says that all people will experience his glory, that the glory of God comes in an unprecedented way for those who prepare the way. The privilege of preparation to be the voice. You know, there, there's like a premium on being the voice declaring in the desert. Have you heard of this man named John the Baptist? John the Baptist was like the embodiment of Isaiah 40. He was the voice. It, it said in Matthew 3, he is the one that was declaring, prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist came before Jesus. He was like crazy dreadlocks, ate honey, you know, like locusts, bugs, wore like a war cloth, you know, and he would just like, God is coming. That's what he'd be like. He's like, look, God is coming. There's one coming after me that I'm not even going to be worthy to hold their sandals. God is coming. I mean, he was the voice declaring in the desert, make a way, prepare yourself. Don't just endure the season you're in. Make ready. Do things that feel foolish. Prepare yourself for what's coming next. Don't get lost in the struggle of what's happening now. Prepare the way. God is coming. Now listen to the privilege of preparation because Jesus addresses John the Baptist in a very beautiful way in Luke 7, starting in verse 27. It says, this is the one, this is Jesus speaking, who it is written about, behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Verse 28, I tell you among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. The privilege of preparation. There's a special place for those who don't just endure seasons but prophetically declare in their season, God is 
coming. You want to talk about it. Can, can you believe we get to do this moment? Can you believe we get to be the voice? Can you believe that we get to stand up and declare God is coming? I mean, what a privilege to be those who prepare the way for God. You know, a couple of months ago as a leadership team, we were gathering together and began to feel that there was a prophetic declaration that God was stirring up in us. And it just became so loud and so consistent that we needed to plan and prepare for unprecedented growth and expansion. And so we just tucked that away, and then we would get together and pray again, and a similar word would constantly come up every single time we would pray, man, prepare for some unprecedented growth, for an explosion, for revival. Prepare. Are you ready? Are your nets ready? Are you ready to receive the harvest? Like over and over and over. And so we just put everything on the table as a team and we said, God, are we ready? Would you show us where we're not ready? Reveal to us, God, what needs to shift? What needs to change? Everything is game. Like, where are we not ready? And something surprised me because what came up in that was where we meet. I love Dobie Middle School. I love the heat. I love the orange. I love the Roadrunner. I love it all. I love transforming a cafeteria. I love the statement that it makes that a church says, you know what, we're going to go and put ourselves in a tough area and believe that God's going to do the impossible. I love it. I, I've fallen in love with this school, the students that go to this school, the opportunities that we've had here. So I was not even considering ever leaving. I love this place. I, I believe in it. There's a part of me that feels called to it. And so in this, everything on the table, I was shocked when it became so clear that maybe there's a declaration to prepare the way and we need to maybe shift where we are in that preparation. And so as a team, we wanted to respond to that and lean into it because sometimes when God gives you a prophetic leading, when the voice of God speaks to you, it's always important to lean in and say, okay, God, so what does this mean? What, what really are you saying about this? Like, what are you calling us to? And so we were like, all right, let's just see what our options are. Now, I put very strict parameters, to be honest with you, because I was like, I don't, I don't want to move outside of this area. I don't care how cool the building is. I don't care how convenient it will be. This is where we are called to be as a community. This is where the light that God wants to birth in us is supposed to beam out of. So we're not leaving here. So, God, if there's something in this area, we're about it. And so we got a realtor. We started looking at all of our options. And then we got a phone call from a school that's about three minutes from here, which is a feeder school, the feeder high school for Dobie students, end up going to Lanier High School. Now, I don't know if you've ever Googled any Austin ISD schools. They're not strong on photos. So we had no idea what we were walking into. 
we were just like, okay, this isn't a, 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 a crack on the door. Like, we'll go check it out and see what it is. Honestly, I was expecting it to be a lot like Dobie. And um, we walk in, we get this tour of this campus, and we're just, like, pinching ourselves, saying, like, there's no way. There's no way that this has been here, and there's not a church meeting here. Like, how in the world? Like, Austin's like the church planning capital of America. There are churches starting here like every day. And it's impossible to find a really cool Austin school on a Sunday morning that's available because churches meet in there. And so I'm like, there has to be some sort of catch. So I'm super skeptical walking around going, this is amazing. <laughs> Where's the weirdos? Like, what? Like what's the, what's the trap? Because there's a reason why no one's meeting here, because it's too perfect. Like, this is made for a church. I don't even know why there's school here. This is like a church building. <laughs> so what is wrong? So we set up a meeting with the principal, one of the assistant principals who oversees the janitorial staff, the theater director, um, and the lady who oversees the facilities. And we had a round table with a few of our team and their core team and basically just talked through, like, okay, what would this really look like? This is what it means to us to meet here. Is that what you think it means? And, like, what do you see? And this was the – we were blown away. First of all, they talked the whole time. We really said nothing. Like, we, we, we literally sit at a table, and the, the principal looks at me and says, look, we love to partner with people, and we see this as a partnership. We hadn't even said we were meeting there yet. And they're like – we see this as a partnership, and we want you to know that we don't just expect you to bend to us. We want to bend to you. And I'm like, whoa, for real? Wow, cool. Thanks, bro. And <clears throat> so we, like, have this conversation, and, and we're, you know, we're, we're basically asking for the moon. And they're like, yeah, sure, cool. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. This will work. This will be great. Anything we can do? And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Guys, we just want to say thank you. And then the principal interrupts me. And he says, you know, I was driving around. And as far as we know, he's not a man of faith. He was driving around a couple weeks before we had a meeting. And these were his words, not mine. He says, you know, J.D., I was driving around our community. And I just began to realize this is a church desert. And I have been scratching my head wondering why. There's not a community of faith that wants to meet in our high school. We think it's perfect. And I was like, well, sir, we agree. And I was like, you know, as you know, we believe in God. And we think that he saved this school for us. And it has been an amazing beginning to a beautiful relationship. Because here's the thing, I want to show you, because I think sometimes it's important to, to, to realize where we've come from as we're looking to where we're going. You know, like perspective is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I want to show you a picture. This was us about two years ago, about 30 people in a condo. That was Antioch, Austin. Dreaming about what could be. Now check this out. This was just a few weeks ago. This was our Easter service here. I think we have another one. God is doing something amazing in us. Yeah, you can clap for that. I'm excited about what God's doing. It's beautiful. But we really feel like it's just the beginning. And although Dobie has been amazing, we have kind of hit the limits 
of what this space can provide for us. Holla at, holla at me if you realize that our bathroom stalls don't lock. Okay, there's some issues, there's some things, there's some, some challenges, right? And we also want to make sure we have a super safe environment for our kids. And so that's the highest priority for us when we're looking at a location. Is this safe for our families to come? Is this going to feel like a place where their kids can thrive? So I just want to run you through a couple of pics of this beautiful campus that we're going to be launching into. This is the main entrance to the theater that we're going to be meeting in. It's wonderful. Let's show that next photo. We can click through these a little quicker. This is the lobby. That table won't be there, but I liked it. Um, that's the hallway. I guess I should have looked at the order of these. There we go. There's the auditorium. How about that? 500-seat auditorium, state-of-the-art everything. We're not going to blow any more breakers. They, like, want us to use speakers, which is great. Adobe doesn't, is not prepared for that. The wiring here was made, like, in 1947. All right, now check this out. What's the next photo? This is where our kids are going to meet, okay? This is their cafetoria, or cafetorium. <laughs> you see the stage kind of similar to here? It's going to, like, double our space. It's immaculately clean, and all the moms in the house said amen. And um, we're going to transform that space into our kids' stuff. This is where our toddlers are going to meet, a completely separate area that's actually connected but sound-barriered so they won't be disrupted by all the loud kids, primarily the Griffin family. This is a classroom where our babies are going to meet. What's up? Separate classroom for our little bitty babies so that they can have. We're going to set up like a little area in there with some rocking chairs. It's going to be great. We're, we're super excited about that. Is there another one? The bathrooms. Come on, somebody, they are clean. There's like 20 stalls. Upgrades all around, upgrades all around. It's gonna be amazing. Hey, but you know what? It's gonna take all of us to prepare the way for what God wants to do through us. It's gonna take all of us and we have some incredible opportunities and privileges that we wanna make known to each and every one of you on how you can help us be obedient to what God's calling us to next. So let's hear it up, have it up for uh, Mr. Chris Ost. Hey, isn't this exciting? Isn't it awesome that we get to do this? You know, because there's great privilege in preparation. And what I get to talk to you about is how we're going to prepare the way, the details, the practicality of what we're going to do, because every vision needs a vehicle to get there. And what practicals do is they provide the vehicle to get to where we want to go. And so I want to walk through what it looks like for us to prepare the way and for you to have all the details. So our ushers are going to go ahead and start passing these out. And you're, you're not going to have a chance to read through it while I'm talking because that was strategic so that you can just listen. But we want to tell you all about what preparing the way looks like. But before I get into the details, I want to give just a quick note on the prophetic insight into to this whole Prepare the Way campaign, okay? When we were leaning into Isaiah 40 and really saying, God, what do you want to do here? God began to shape the whole process through Isaiah 40. And what he really began to do is highlight the number 40 which is actually outlined in our strategy, the 40-40-40 strategy, which is 40 hours of intercession, which is 40 new volunteers. And we happened to need about $40,000 to make this move a true success. 
But more than that, when you look at the number 40 throughout Scripture, what it represents, what it signifies is a season of testing and preparation before great fruitfulness. Jesus, when he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, was tested and prepared so that he could enter into the most wildly fruitful ministry that anyone's ever seen. And we believe that through this season of testing and preparation, God is going to show us what's in us. God is going to reveal that we are ready to receive the harvest that he is going to pour out because of his spirit moving in Austin. And we're ready for it. And so this is what it looks like for us to prepare the way. The first way that we're going to do it is through 40 hours of intercession. It means 40 hours of praying and crying out and saying, God, would you move in this city? So when we move into Lanier High School, which again is located on Peyton Gin Road, give you a few details here, located on Peyton Gin Road on the other side of I-35 between North Lamar and 183. If you're new to Austin, you have no idea what I just said, but if you've been here, you get an idea of where that's at. It's a prime location just a few minutes from here. It's incredible. It's got 500-seat auditorium, state-of-the-art. Our kids can more than double in that space. Get this, 300 parking spots. And it allows us to grow while staying in the same area, continuing to, to outreach as we've been doing, we're going to get to continue our mentor program here at Dobie because we're going to be in the same area, but we're going to be in a space, a beautiful space, that keeps us from being hindered by a building. We can grow and grow and grow in this space for years to come. It is a, that great of a space. We're going to move in on August 12th. So we've got the summer here, and we're going to move in on August 12th. We're going to take three weeks to kind of just work out some kinks, to get used to the space, soft launch. And then we're going to have a big blowout launch on Labor Day weekend, September 2nd. Antioch Waco is sending up a, a young adult team to, to do outreaches that weekend, and we are going to go after the neighborhood. And we're going to see God bring in lots and lots of people. I mentioned 40 hours of intercession. For the six weeks leading up to it, all this is in there, so if, you're, if it's blowing past you, it's okay. For the six weeks leading up to that September 2nd service, we're going to be praying 40 hours every week. And we need you to be able to do that. There's a card in here that's got a bunch of prayer points on it. You're going to see it a lot over the next few months. We're going to leave it on your chair all the time so that you have one wherever you go so that you can be praying with us for God to move in our city, and there's going to be an opportunity for you to sign up for specific time slots to pray, both as individuals, and we're going to have corporate prayer gatherings as well. The next way we're going to be preparing the way is by raising up 40 new volunteers, because we need more people helping us do this, because we're expecting a lot more people to be coming in. Specifically, we're wanting to add 40 new volunteers in three teams, not 40 each, but 40 total in these primarily three teams. Our builders team, which is the group that, that sets this place up. And to our fit team, that's our first impression team. They're the ones holding the signs that make you feel amazing. And our kids team, they're the ones that you don't see. 
that are shaping the next generation. And we need 40 new volunteers. So what does that mean? If you've not served before, we need you. If maybe you did serve in the past and you've taken a break, we need you to say, all right, I'm going to sign up again. If you've been serving, thank you. We still need you. The last way we're going to prepare the way is we're going to be raising $40,000 to facilitate this move. What this is going to allow us to do is to truly become a mobile church. See, we've had the illusion of being a mobile church here because we, we set up and we tear down, but everything gets stored right there. But what we're going to need to do now is we're going to have to buy one of those big 24-foot moving trucks, and we're going to have to load it with our stuff every week and unload it. We are truly going to become a mobile church because we won't have on-site storage. So part of what the money we'll be raising to do will be buying things like that so that we can continue to do church the way that we do in a way that facilitates more people. But let me highlight one thing that we're going to be doing with that $40,000 that I think is incredible. 5000 of those dollars that we raise is going to go directly to Lanier High School. As we walked through, we saw a number of things. Was it a sousaphone, I think, we saw in their... I don't even know what that is. It's a band instrument. But they were saying it's broken. We have so many broken instruments, and we can't afford to get them fixed. So we're going to take 5000 of the 40 that we raised, and we're going to give it to them. And we're going to say, get what you need. Because what we're saying from the very beginning, yeah, is that we are going to be partners that bless you and that change this community. See, because there's a great privilege in preparation. So let me make... Two more notes of things, and then I'll let J.D. come up and finish. On June 24th, that's the last day of this month, we're going to be having a giving day. So you're going to see this little card. This little card is going to give you an opportunity to respond. There's going to be an opportunity for you to say, yeah, I want to pray. Yeah, I want to serve. Yeah, this is much. This, I, I want to give this much towards this. We're going to be collecting these on June 24th. We're going to have a blowout party to celebrate because it is a privilege to prepare. And we want to encourage you between now and then to pray through. What does your response look like? What does it look like for you and your family to prepare the way? Parents, we're going to be having the same kind of thing happen in our kids. Our kids are going to get to be involved in preparing the way too because they're not just a part of this church. They are, they are with us in this. Okay? If you want to know more, take this with you. We also have a website, preparethewayaustin.com, where you can learn more. You can fill out this thing today. You could give today. You could sign up today. You don't have to wait till the 24th. But we need everybody to prepare the way. This is about us stepping into a new thing, not just moving buildings. It's more than that. And so will you join me in stepping into the privilege of preparing the way? awesome. You guys thankful for Chris? Man, I know I am. Hey, do me a favor, stand to your feet. We're going to close our service a little bit differently this morning because this is a call for all of us to respond, not some of us to respond. And um, we just believe that God wants to do, like I said in my prayer at the beginning of our time, something unprecedented through us. Therefore, to do something unprecedented in us. That the privilege of preparing the way is that we have experienced the God who prepares us. 
for the way he's taking us. So we don't feel like God's calling us into something that he's not going to provide for us everything that we need along the way to see it happen. So what we want to do is just create space for you to encounter him. We went a little long this morning, but I don't care. I hope you don't care. It's been rich. Our kids are going to be fine. We got them extra snacks. Um, but we just want to sing a chorus and say, God, would you seal this in us, that you want to do something in us as you're preparing us for what you want to do through us. So let's just sing this chorus and then we'll